Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back on a Friday. We had a great show on Wednesday. We, as I put out online, we talked about what everybody didn't want to talk about. We didn't pull any punches. We brought the heat. We talked about the Calvin debate, and we also talked about uh, two of our star players that are holding out that are not showing up to mandatory camp. And we're happy to be back here talking all things Lions, uh, non-drama filled. Maybe we'll see how Grifka is on this Friday. Grifka, how you doing, buddy? I, I just want to announce to everybody that was able to listen to the show on Wednesday that uh, I have been in contact with Dr. Dre for a remix. Just to let you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you listen to the show. And uh, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> oh, man, absolutely. If you did not hear the show, not only was the content good and the arguments were heated, but Grifka drops a gem right towards the end of the show. Uh, he, he did some singing. He brought back a classic old hip-hop. But instead of rapping, he actually ripped the chorus within a Martha Ford voice, which was absolutely off the charts tremendous. you got to check that out. I'm sure that will be a sound drop at some point once we get all of our equipment uh, up and running as we continue to grow the show. So, Grifka, what the heck's going on with the Lions today, man? Uh, we'll see if you can pull out some more uh, classics today on the show. I don't know, maybe some music some point along the line, but uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see what happens. This <laughs> um, the first note for you. I mean, obviously it was nice to see that uh, the Lions did get all the rookie signed. I know we had talked about this before, that, uh, you know, we talked maybe any holdouts, anything worried about that. But once again, you were correct. Pat on the back, you know, with the, uh, the uh, rookie cap the way it is now, that uh, all the rookies are in camp. So uh, they'll be able to make all the uh, off-season training programs. So um, it's always nice to see that uh, they're in there for for uh, all the OTAs and training camps. But uh, you think that's a big part of the team, making sure that they get all the rookies in there to get as much time possible with the team? <laughs> Are you referencing when I ragged on you back on a previous show where you acted like it was 2007 and like, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe there'll be some holdouts. And I was like, Grifka, nobody holds out. They haven't for like a decade now. Where have you been? Well, Joey Bosa did, but... <laughs> 
because he was taking a pay cut from Ohio State to go play for the Chargers. So. Oh, classic Grifka example. Brings up one random thing and thinks that's the uh, that's the point that needs to be made. But um, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, it was nice to see. I was kind of surprised that Will uh, Will the Thrill Will Harris there um, was kind of the last guy to sign. I remember talking with Eric Schlitt saying like. To me, he's really the – he's almost like the wild card or the guy that I think can really make a difference in this draft class. So I was glad to hear him sign. And then, of course, soon after he signed, you know, a couple articles popping up on DetroitLions.com about how well he moves and how good he looks out there. So I'm sure that's a coincidence. But uh, glad to have him in. They're ready to rock and roll. And uh, we're going to need him in. We need impact rookies, healthy rookies, all types of stuff this year for this team. Yeah, definitely. It's just nice to get them all in. That way they're all out there for every ounce of uh, of practice they can get with this team that can only help make the team better. So, yep. Um, my next question for you, it's been brought up once again. I saw Roger Goodell brought it up earlier this week about uh, shortening the preseason. I mean, he believes it's not needed, and I don't, I'm not quite for sure. I know there's been stumping for two games, been stumping for three preseason games. But uh, if you were able to shorten the preseason, what would you shorten it to? And then what time would you start preseason then? Because right now it starts at the beginning of August. And if they were shortened it, how many games would you be looking for? And when would you start it if it was under your control to do that? Well, Grifka, it it needs to be under my control because I feel like we have been hemming and hawing about this topic for a long time. And it always comes out, well, 18 games, you know, I don't know, this, set and the other, like, I mean, it's 2019. It's going to be 2020 pretty soon. I think we've reached the point where everything else has progressed, where we can do things faster, more efficiently. Um, you know, we have new reasons for doing things, yet we're still fumbling around with this four-game meaningless preseason. I mean, me and you don't even go to the preseason games, and and if we do, I mean, it's a total snooze fest. We'll, like, talk ourselves into, oh, man, I'm excited to go. Like, maybe maybe we could see this backup player. Maybe this guy, well, I really want to see him play. And then you get there, and, like, the first half of the first quarter is, is in, in the mix. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is just brutal football. It's just unwatchable. And, you know, yeah, there's some evaluation for coaches at a, at a certain level. But I'm pretty sure you can get that done with a couple preseason and then maybe an inner squad you know, practice of some sort and, you know, maybe some extra time in the film room and uh, figure out if these guys can play and process or not. So let's, let's get rid of two of these preseason games, come up with some other unique way to, you know, let the coaches have their hands on them a little bit more, but not play some random football game. And let's move forward. I'm, I'm sick of this. I really want 18 NFL games, to be honest. I mean, uh, you know, I know that kind of changes the game with stats and records and, you know, physicality and all that type of stuff. But I would not be mad in the least if him, the players and Mr. Goodell there can work out something in the next agreement. Say, so, yeah, we'll bump up to 18, just take away two preseason, give us more money and limit, you know, some other facet that they want limited. Like, let's get that done. So then you would you would still start training camp at the beginning of August, and your first game would probably be, what, then two weeks earlier? That would be the week before Labor Day then? No, I, I don't think you, you bump up or change the schedule. I think you just start when you normally start. You just maybe, maybe even play like one preseason game, and then you have a two-week break where you do other things, whether it be more more – 
you know, practices, maybe give them, you know, I don't know if you're not doing a game, you could probably throw in another padded practice or two. And then, you know, like I said, give them some other concessions financially and whatnot. But then in like two weeks, you play another preseason game or you play them maybe right in the middle. Maybe you have like you start training camp, but instead of a game, like a week later, you have like two weeks of camp and then you play a game and then you recover from that game. You play your next game. And then you have two weeks off before you get to the season, maybe. I don't know. Like, people would say rust, but I feel like you just find a way to spread those out. You still have a month because usually camp is, like, end of August, right, or, or middle of August. And then the, the season is that first week of September. You still yeah. need that month to sort week of – Labor Day is yeah, when it would be. You still need that month or so to sort of get your team going and get game plan for your first game. But you don't need these these meaningless – I mean, now it's, like, starting quarterbacks don't play more than 10 plays in the preseason. I mean, you don't have star players out there for more than a half a quarter. I mean, back in the day, at least they would play kind of, you know, uh, one quarter and then a half and then three quarters. And I feel like that's out the window now. So yeah, I'm just ready to get rid of this whole system, but still give them time to do whatever you want to do. You want to do more film sessions. You want to go out to movies and, and do some team building. You want to, um, play tiddlywinks. I don't care what you do, but um, just get rid of these two games that you're charging fans full full money for, and give us something else. Like give give the guys a break too. I mean, they don't need to be out there, and even the guys that are on the low end of the roster. I mean, you're either good enough to play or you're not after a couple games. I mean, there's very rarely these guys that are really make or breaking it in game four, regardless of what the NFL or coaches will try to sell you. Well, I know part of it is, well, I mean, I think a couple games would be fine. You know, one home, one away. And uh, because you always hear those things, too. It's just like, you know, yeah, it's just the stadium needs like the preseason as well to make sure everything's functioning and and running well. And even like the uh, camera angles and stuff like that. So that's what they use those games for. And it's just like, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I can understand that if you have like new workers and stuff. But you're right. I think just, you know, one game. You know, because me and you've been to plenty of games and each year it's like the same people, you know, hawking the peanuts and the beer. So, you know, they're not turning over a whole new crew in there. So, you know, a couple, you know, a couple games. I, I don't know even if, I don't know, like 18, you know, games. That's a lot, even compensation wise, because I, you know, I'm not looking to get into the specifics of, you know, was, you know, you know, I'm not saying like football players aren't tough or anything like that, but. You know, once again, I, I once heard a statement, you can't sign away your health. So no matter how much money you give them and, you know, still, like, you know, it's one of those things could come back, you know, concussions, everything like that. So you're right. It's one of those things they would have to figure out as well. But uh, I think, you know, a couple games would work just fine. And uh, but, uh, you know, maybe start it like the second week of August, you know, training camp and then a couple preseason games go right into the season. So. Okay. Um, just have a couple other things here. I uh, kind of want to discuss with you here. Uh, just a couple basic questions. I'm just looking for your point of view on this, Derek. I was reading an article the other day, and um, they were talking about every team's most underrated free agency signing. And I, you know, once again, stuff like that always gets me. You know, I always want to read. And the Lions' most, the Lions' most underrated free agency signing, who they said was Trey Flowers, most underrated, and it just. I, st- I was reading why, you know, and I started to me- make me think. I mean, you've said this before, that he was probably the most prolific, you know, defender on the free agency market, you know, in the line side. Is Trey Flowers 
is he just underrated as a player? Do you, do you feel that way? Or is it just because that, uh, you know, he was part of New England and was part of that cog and he was on the defense. But do you, do you think Trey Flowers is just underrated as a player? I'm not calling him Reggie White or Lawrence Taylor or anything like that, but I, I think he's underrated as a player. How, how do you think? Grifka, is this a real article? Yeah. <laughs> is this from the free press? This sounds like free press. Uh, a it's, guy it's we not should not speak press. of. No, this okay. isn't free press. Okay. It sounds like that kind of content, but here's it's, my take. I, I, I don't want to go Grifka and repeat myself to a T, but this one's pretty obvious. I was talking to another buddy the other day, and I was going over the same topic. I was going, I'm so sick of, like, everybody, like, just brushing over, basically not really forgetting. They just don't want to even mention it that, oh, hey, by the way, the Detroit Lions, when you really break it down, they signed the top defensive player, Trey Flowers. I know that's who you asked about. But we signed the top nickel corner. You know, we brought in one of the top slot receivers you know for that type of role all these different holes we filled with good young you know of some established football players and Trey Flowers at the top of that list and like I was telling the friend I was going okay he was the best defensive player basically on the board he's in the prime of his career he's at a position of need and a premium position he fits and already knows the scheme perfectly he's an absolutely incredible character guy off the field I mean, what am I missing here? People are just brushing over this move. They're thinking, oh, well, you know, okay, they they filled in a defensive end and they lost Ziggy. I mean, for all the times I went to bat for Ziggy on this podcast, like Trey Flowers does so much more for this team in regards to setting the edge, being better in run defense, like being healthier, being um, even more of hustle and explosion after the quarterback. I mean, it's a – it's a slam dunk move by the lions and people are just missing the boat or they're taking it for granted until Sunday's come. And this guy's just wreaking havoc. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think a lot of people are just looking at it and that he was part of new England and new England wins no matter what. So he's going to come here and just be another guy. But I think he's, I think he's underrated in the league as a whole, not just as a free agency sign. I think he is one of the premier defenders of this league. I mean, I don't think he's Khalil Mack, but I mean, he, he might be like on the tier right below him. I, I don't believe that he's like one of these guys was like, they, they had to overpay to get this guy here. You know, like we have spoken in the past where the lines in the past had to overpay guys like Dre Bly for them to come here. I don't think they had to do that with him. And I think he is. I think he's, you know, one of the premier defenders of this league. And I just think it doesn't get any pub because he did sign with the Lions. Now, if he would have signed with, you know, the Cowboys or if he would have re-signed with New England and it would have been all over the place. Great signing. Great move. Could you imagine pairing him up here? He's, he's just going back to New England doing what he did before. I mean, it's a great great play by, by these teams. But it's with Detroit. And everybody's like, well, it's, it's Detroit. Good, good job. Good job. Nice. Here, you know, here, here's, a, here's a golf clap. But I think as a whole, I think he's one of the premier defenders in the league. And like you said, people just kind of poo-poo it off to the side. So I believe he's underrated as a player, not just as a free agency signing. But that's just me. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with you. I uh, You deserved a couple more Grifka Bells there, but I'm wearing it out here on this episode. So I'm there with you. All I wanted to know is I was waiting for you to compare him to Reggie White or Lawrence Taylor, but I won't I won't give you two more Bells for that. I did that earlier. I wasn't calling him that, but <laughs> I, he may be a couple steps below those guys. But <laughs> Okay. I, I'm so glad Khalil you, you Mack, ran it. Just, Khalil Mack's not Lawrence Taylor or Reggie White either, so. Yeah, I'm glad you got the Griffith rant about the Cowboys, the Packers, the the Patriots. That's always a classic. So yeah, of course, man. I would you know couldn't go without. Um, <laughs> my next question for you um, was another article I saw that they said uh, you know the biggest thing that each team wouldn't be able to you know couldn't have going into training camp, and that was the biggest thing was that Matt Pat, you know, not putting too much pressure on Matt Pat. Now, I realize all coaches and GMs, they do this themselves. They want to, you know, they're obviously trying to get to the highest level, win Super Bowl, so they put enormous pressure on themselves. My question for you, from the fans' point of view, how much pressure is on Matt Pat this year? Uh, sometimes, Griff Guy, would, uh, I would laugh at your question. I actually was chatting about this, too, with other Lions fans, and uh, this, is, this is something that irks me. I know you get all fired up on this show. Um, about all types of stuff, and you get up in arms. The Lions don't get respect. This, that, and the other. Like, I'm, I've been thinking about this season, and like, I really like the Lions roster. I think it's young. I think it's hungry. I think that, you know, they have depth at positions. I know we talked about that, or they have before, of saying like, oh, you know, we really like our depth at X, Y, and Z spot. Well, I think if you really go up and down the roster, like they really have added a two, three player tier at some spots where years ago we had zero people that were quality at that position. So saying all that is to say, like, I'm really worried that if, you know, injuries bite us or something bad happened that, you know, everybody would be calling for the GM or the head coach's neck, you know, oh man, these guys can't get it done. We got to just move on. And uh, me and the individuals I was talking to about this were kind of like, we were more set on, we th- we think that would be the case is that people would really be in that mode of like, Hey, we just got to, we got to find new GM, new head coach. When really we were kind of hoping that if it did go South and with the caveat that if Matt Stafford, like really had a down year and lots of turnovers, lots of really just bad play for whatever reason, we were hoping that it would finally be time where people would say like, man, we just kept giving it a chance. We were hoping you turn the corner. We'd hope that you'd win the big game. And we've reached a point now where we can't continue to go to year 12, year 13, whatever it would be at that point. So, you know, I'm expecting a great year from this team. I think that the pieces are in place. This is year two. I feel like the groundwork's been laid by the coach. And, you know, I think they will, not only win and play well in clutch situations, but if if the record was to be in that six wins or lower, I think you're going to have to move on from the quarterback, not so much the head coach or the GM, if that makes any sense. Because these guys have been laying this plan. They've only been here for two years together. And I think that together makes a big difference, you know, based on scheme, fit, 
and uh, what they're trying to build. So that that's what I would do if it was a rough year. But again, I think some of these negative things, Grifka, are things we don't need to talk about because I think not only would they come out and play well, but I've been on board saying as much as I push Matt Stafford and want him to be great and want him to get that moxie back as much as I think he will. I think he has what he needs now and he's, and he's motivated and he's out to prove a point. And I think he will here in 2019. So I, I think this will be a mood point when it's all said and done. See, I think with where the Lions were at when, you know, they fired Caldwell and, you know, there was all like get to the next level. And I know you said in the past that the Lions took a step back, but rebounded this year. And, you know, obviously going forward, you know, you're not looking at a six and 10 as a positive year. You're not looking, I I don't, I think you, from my point of view, it doesn't sound like you're counting like seven and seven, eight and eight, even as a positive year for the team. I think there's a lot a lot of fans out there that like yeah like yourself like you said this is the second year they're putting pressure on him to really make this make this now. I mean other than the hungry Lions fans have been like myself have been watching it for years and they're just ready for any any type of of winner, you know, playing in Ford Field. I think there's a lot of fans out there that you know want to give him a chance but they don't want to they don't want to give him a, a lot of time, you know, short rope. I mean, you've heard it. I mean, you've heard it from other fans that there's plenty of people already saying he's not the guy. He's not the guy. Look what he did. He's not the guy. And he's been here one year. So, but I, I think there's other fans. I think there's a big group that are just like, you need to do something this year. I mean, we're not talking Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, if they win a Super Bowl, awesome, great. You know, but, I, you know, you got to show remarkable improvement. You need to go to the playoffs. And you can't go to you can't back your way into the playoffs and then go on the road and just get your tail kicked in and say like, hey, look, we made the playoffs. I mean, it might be one of those things that you got to do some damage in the playoffs this year. I'm not saying that's going to get him fired, but I think from the fans' point of view, that's what they're going to look for. They're going to look for huge improvement out of this team, and this team really needs to do some damage somewhere. And ain't Nate is isn't it? I mean, that's that's not it. I, I think I believe Matt Pat has a little longer leash. Than, than that if the team was to go 8-8. Eight eight, I believe they'd give them another year. But at that point, fans ne- the, in the next year, he would be on a major hot seat. But this year, I think that there's a lot of fans that are out there believing that he needs to make the playoffs and, and do, some, do some damage. Or I think the screams for, once again, a new coach are, are going to get even louder than what they already are. But that's just my okay, opinion. Well- Okay, well, real quick, I gotta, I gotta come back to this because I want to say two things. One, I, I love off-season Grifka, where there's no game that happened a few days ago that you're just like hate the team or you're like so negative. Where here it's all roses and you're just feeling good about everything because I, if, if my memory, you know, is right, I, I remember you like in about week four or even after the preseason, like going on and on and complaining about like, oh man, this guy like. I don't know about this coach, you know, he just, he might not get it. You know, he's, he's doing all this stuff and and the players aren't happy. And and you just, once he wasn't winning in those first three games or so, you were, you were upset. And then of course they make the golden Patriot. Oh, they quit on the season. This, this team sucks. You were all in that mode where now you flip the script. So one, I love that. Um, The other thing I want to pin you down on is so if, 
as you phrased it, if they had a bad year, you know, would you get rid of Matt Pat? I want to know from you, if they were to have six wins or less and the quarterback plays bad, are you moving on from number nine or are you kind of saying, oh, well, we put a few more pieces and get it together, bring him back. He's under contract. Like, where are you right now on that? The way they've paid Stafford, it's it's got to be one of those things where if they were to go five and eleven, six and ten, and Stafford looks utterly terrible, still they're almost kind of hamstring with the guy, and it's like if I guess it depends on the in-game moves because I know there's points where you know we look at it and say like you know call a timeout, nothing happens, or it seems like they just burn time at the end of the first half and just let it go. And it's like gosh, you guys could put points on the board, you know, stuff like that where. I guess I would have to see that, you know, how it would, how it would affect everything. But if if Stafford had a bad year, I still don't think they can move on from him. And it might be one of those things where you, you, know, you can't fire the players, you can fire the coach. But that's yeah, see, okay, we we got you on the on record then, because I'm I'm differing, man. I, I'm like supporting the quarterback, and I know he has got the arm talent, the brain, the the want to, but. I mean, if he was just to put a clunker up, you know, the, the time has run out, you know, in my opinion. But like I say, that's why I'm banking that he won't do that. And it's not always on him, but I'm also getting sick of what you just said, which is, oh, we're hamstring. We've paid him like that. That worked like three years ago. Yeah. OK, we did. Or, yeah, we didn't have any better options. Like uh, that's pretty much that window is closed. And the same is said if he comes out and balls out, if he has a great year okay, he's under contract and he's the leader of our team and we've got all these pieces, let's roll. But I think it's one or the other this year. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see both sides of that coin. Let's put it that way. But this, we're just opposite sides of the coin right here. You're like, yeah, if he has a bad year, we can scrap him, start over again. And it seems like it seems like owners tend to fall under the fire the player, not, fire the coach, not the player type thing, so... But hold on, it's not start over. It's just get a new quarterback, which, like, as long as you have a really solid team, which I think we would admit, like, you know, even if the Lions had a bad year, I mean, I wouldn't say, oh, their whole roster is garbage. I mean, they would still have good young pieces. Just, like I say, the quarterback didn't play well. The offense maybe wasn't where it needed to be, you know, injuries. But you're not scrapping the whole team. You would just be saying, hey, we need a new signal caller, which – you know, we, we don't want it to happen, but I, I guarantee if it does happen and a, a new guy, whoever it may be, came in here and and played gritty and won, I mean, as much as we don't want to admit it, at the end of the day, that may be the infusion it needs. Hey, we got a good young roster, and bam, here's a new signal caller with a new way of doing it um, that can, can put us over the hump that we've been trying to get over. Like, I don't think that's the case right now, but... I, you know, if they did go that route, you could look back in a year or two and go, man, like what a difference this player made, you know, at the quarterback position there. Wow. You know, one more skill guy at whatever position, like really gets us going. And we just don't want to even do that because we're so set on who we've paid, as you said, or just who we've had. But I mean, the, t- the clock runs out at some point. So like I say, we could go back and forth, but don't think of it as scrapping everything. Just think of it as, yeah, they're doing a reset at the quarterback position, not everywhere. This this topic about a different quarterback may come up in another show because this this I believe deserves maybe a little longer discussion, but we can we yeah. maybe we'll do that later. Um, one more question here for you. 
uh, speaking of uh, Stafford, actually not speaking of him, um, besides Stafford, you know, we were talking about if the Lions throw out a clunker. Besides Stafford, is there anybody on the offense or, or defense that the Lions could really ill afford to lose? And, you know, if if they were to lose this guy, it would totally, it's like, okay, the wheels fell off. And besides, I'm talking besides Stafford, obviously. I think we're in agreement if they had to go with either Savage or Connor Cook. And it's looking like not a very good year. But is there is there somebody on the, somebody else on the offense or defense that the Lions can really ill afford to lose? Uh, well, I mean, this goes without saying, Griffco, but I, I think the tight end is probably the most important position on the team other than the quarterback, wouldn't you agree? So Logan Thomas, if they lost Logan Thomas, that would be really <laughs> hurt. No, oh, man, T.D. Hawkinson, your boy. Uh, no, seriously, though, uh, this is kind of a – it's a tough question to nail down. I mean, because I, I definitely don't think football is about one player or the other. You know, it's – 11 versus 11 and there's so many moving parts that that's why you build a young cheap good athletic football team and not just put it all on one person's shoulders and as you said you took the quarterback out of this which is the the main cog of the wheel not only on offense but also just galvanizing the team and and being that difference maker so if you take him out I mean the name that would come to mind is Gosh, I feel like on the defensive side of the ball, if you don't have big snacks in the middle, I, I just feel like we didn't realize it going into last year. But And I used to always say, like, oh, man, you know, a big a big space eater, a big nose tackle, you know, dime a dozen. But when you have a guy like this that really just plugging him in and what he does, both run and his, a little bit of his gap penetration, like, excuse me, he uh, – Gosh, he, he just seemed like the minute he came in, we went from a lower lower uh, part of the league in defense to a, a top 10. I mean, it was that immediate. So I'd probably say him on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm just trying to think offensively. I mean, if I had to throw an offensive name out, gosh, you know me, man. It's between Kenny and Carrion, and I think I, think I would just go with – carry on Johnson it's kind of crazy because he's only in year two but the Lions have never had a running game basically since I've been a fan he he showed amazing glimpses and he's young he's got all the attributes you look for and I really would love to see Matt Stafford with a thoroughbred running back like that for even if carry on was to miss a couple games due to like Nixon's things here or there like like give me give me 14 games with a really healthy, ready to rock carry on. And if he was to go out with a, you know, a knee ACL, some type of really back injury that lingered. I mean, yeah, I think that puts us back to where we were, where the offense is just stagnant looking for answers, which is where I don't want to be. So uh, give me carry on on the offensive side of the ball snacks defense. I know those aren't like crazy outside the box, but I think they're pretty solid. The, uh, answers and pieces that we definitely don't want to lose okay well since you, you stole the guys i uh, i was going to mention i mean uh, i'll pick a couple different other guys and make a claim for them uh first guy i will start with defense as well i'm gonna have to go with slay i mean i, I know they signed you know plenty of defensive backs and drafted some more but i don't know if with the loss of slay if the team would be able to co- recover that that much you would need you would need an awesome pass rush at that point, just so those guys wouldn't have to cover for such a long time. So 
at least Slay, I mean, uh, he's not Deion Sanders, ding, but uh, that's one of those things where you can almost kind of believe that half the field's, you know, at least, you know, taken away 90% of the time if Slay's on the field. So if he's gone, I mean, you're really limiting yourself in the defensive backfield again. So he would be my defender. And since you took carry on, um, I, I don't want to say this. Gosh, I believe with with the way the offensive line is they're, they're looking to reshuffle to get better, I think that needs to be rock solid. And to say that, I believe if they lost your boy, Taylor Decker slash Jeff Backus, it would um, hey it would make it difficult. Um, like I said, he's he, he's he's not Anthony Munoz or Jackie Slater. I mean, he's not him, but he's average. He's out there. He, you know, he's he, he plays. I mean, that's what and everybody bagged on Bacchus, but Bacchus was at least out there. I mean, he was he was out there playing, and nothing's worse than when you got you know you think one guy's terrible, and then you actually get their backup out there, and there's a reason why that guy's not starting. And I think the Lions may be in that position where they're they're shuffling the deck right now, trying to come up with the best the best offensive line they believe they have. And you're taking out your left tackle for an extended period amount of time. I don't think that that can't help at all. So those would be the two guys I would claim right there. Okay. Well. Well. First of all, I don't know if I should feel. I feel a lot like worse about my answers because they were your answers. So I don't know if that like <laughs> I. Maybe I totally missed the boat or like I'm losing my mind here. But the fact that we had the same two players on both sides of the ball is, is, is frightening to say the least. The other thing I'd say is like Grifka, like we got to get over Taylor Decker. Like he, he's not just out there. He's a good football player and he's our left tackle and you should want him to be dominant. So but we got to get past this with he's you. Not, he's not dominant. But he's not just a, a cardboard cutout at left tackle. He's good. Let's not be let's not be dropping the word good like an anvil here, okay? <laughs> he's he's, right. he's he's Jeff Backus, okay? The, 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 they're the exact same guy. They are. Yeah. Go back and watch more Jeff Backus football. I mean, I realize you're becoming a Lions fan right when he started coming. So I I think if you were to go back now and compare their tapes and what they do and what they're good at and you know what they you know things that you know that people rag on Jeff Backus for, Taylor Decker does the same thing. So. Okay. Well, well, we'll see when we go to training camp, and I let him know how you feel about him, and then he. Uh, what are you talking? He never comes over to the fence line. All he ever does is walk right in to go take a shower. I'm oh, sure no, TJ he, Jones, he, if he's still on the team, he'll come over and wait he's for over there. sign your autograph again. <laughs> Taylor Decker's a good dude. He'll be over there, and I'll be like, "Oh, hey, this is this is uh, this is Grifka. He he thinks you're an absolute stiff, and then he just choke slams you right in the ground. Whatever, man. He'll know me because I'll have a record deal. He'll be wanting my autograph. <laughs> he heard me sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hopefully, everybody heard you sing. Go back to Wednesday and check that out, as well as some heat, some heated opinions about uh, the beloved slash uh, jettisoned Calvin Johnson. And we also talked about Slay and, and snacks. So, so everybody check that out for sure. Grifka, I mean, we battled it out on Wednesday. We kind of had a fun back and forth show. I mean, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. <laughs> All right. Well, man, I, I think I broke the Grifka bell today and I even let you get away with a few, uh, you know, obviously and some of your other Caldwellisms that usually drop that, uh, that is worthy of a Grifka bell. But, uh, hey, man, um, another good show. 
we will be talking next week about kind of a summary of what happened at OTAs. We didn't get into it too much this week, but we'll talk about uh, who, who looked good. You know, it is kind of a mini camp, so a little bit more than just running around doing drills like they were before. So we'll talk all about it. And then uh, I think maybe they have another week or so, but then it breaks for a long time. So we got a, a stack of other things we're going to do in that time. And then next thing you know, it'll be training camp, man. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. It's another episode of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Drink it in, and we'll uh, check you guys next week. Take care. We're out. Back to back. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in.